Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 51 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. And today we're going to pray against the spirit and the culture of death. Yes, my friend, there is a spirit of death. The book of Revelations chapter 6 makes this very clear as it tells us about the rider on the pale horse whose name is death and all of hell follows after him. My friend, when a people or a culture welcomes death into their territory, they open the floodgates for all manner of hell and demonic power. To rush in. Ephesians 6 says that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in dark places. And in the book of Daniel, we're made to realize that these principalities are rulers over regions. As Daniel prayed and fasted, and the angel of the Lord was dispatched to bring to him revelation, he informs Daniel that he was held up over Persia in a battle with the principality or the demonic ruler over that region. So today I'm here to bring revelation and to unite the body of Christ to war with authority against one of these principalities. And it is the spirit of death. Yes, my friend, the spirit of death is a principality and it rules over regions. And I near dare say that it is even the principality that is ruling over the region of America today. So it's time that the Church of America begins to pray and move in the God-given authority that has been afforded us by the blood, adoption, sonship, and kingship of Jesus Christ to speak to that mountain and cast it out into the sea because this is our territory. Under the principality of death, we see many powers that are in his hands, such as abortion, which is rampant in our land, suicide, murder, hatred, depression, all of these things are powers that we have the ability to take authority over because that they are being mandated by the principality of death. If you've only recently joined the podcast, I recommend that you go back to the beginning and listen to the one that we did on on understanding spiritual authority because we're going to have to move in great authority, but it's time that the church take her place and start putting the devil in his. He is a defeated foe. He is under our feet. We are the head and not the tail. We have been lifted up, raised up with Christ into heavenly places. We have been given all authority, power, dominion, and might in that we have been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have the authority, but the church is moving in a spirit of Ahab, which is nothing more than relinquished authority, that the enemy is walking in the void that we have created because we are not opening our mouths and letting the sword of the Lord come out and speaking forth the authority that we have been given. You receive it by faith. You believe it by faith. You speak it by faith and you will see the power of it manifested through grace, which comes only by faith. So today we're going to release some faith as we war against this very real and present enemy. You see, my friend, we all have a land of our inheritance. There is a place that God has given you authority to take dominion. 
because the land that the Lord has given into your hand, he's given it into your hand for you to possess, to keep and to cast the enemy out of. We see that when Jesus crossed over into the land of the Gadarenes and he cast the demons named Legion out of the demoniac, they cried out and said, cast us out of the man, but please do not cast us out of the country. And so I remind you of this so that you can understand that we can cast demons out of a man, but we can in the same manner cast them out of a territory, a region, a country, the land of your inheritance, because you have been called not only to take land, but to possess it, to keep it, to remove the enemy from it, to walk in the authority that has been granted us as joint heirs with Christ. This is our fight. This is the reason that Jesus would not allow the man to leave with him, but he caused him to stay in the land because Jesus walked in and took the territory, but he needed someone to stay and possess it. Joshua went and fought battles in the promised land, but he couldn't stay in every land that he entered in. There had to be a tribe there that was willing to continue to fight and possess the land because what you take, if you do not possess, the enemy will retake. And so today I remind you of your ability to stand and fight and possess the land. And we are going to war against this power and principality, this spirit of death that is running rampant. But then I need you to continue the fight. I need you to pray every day, every night. I need you to press in and press through. And when you start to see victories, don't become laxed and get off your knees and get distracted and return to entertainment and all of the things that the enemy uses to keep dying men from knowing that they are dying and a warrior bride from picking up her sword and fighting. You see, a few years ago, the Lord woke me in the middle of the night and audibly spoke to me a name. The name was familiar, but I wasn't sure. I thought I had read it in the Greek text of the New Testament, so I looked it up, and sure enough, it was the Greek name for the spirit of death. And so I thought, well, the Lord wants me to pray against this power and principality. It wasn't long before I began to realize that it had rule over my region, and the Lord was wanting me to war against it specifically because that I have authority in the land of my inheritance. And today, I need you, my friend, to join the fight. Because you see where I am located, where my home is, where my land is, where my church is, was known for suicides, for depression, for all of the manifestations of this spirit of death. But it had a deeper root. Because you see the woman who was involved in the original case of Roe versus Wade, Jan Roe, she was from this town, my hometown. In fact, her uncle was a member of our church. So I began to understand that having authority over this land, I had a stake in the fight. And as we began to war and pray, we saw such a dramatic change. And in fact, I don't believe there's been one single suicide in this town since. The atmosphere has changed. We began to see national legislation moving against abortion and the death culture. But as we all know, there has been recent turns of event. The enemy is pushing back and baring his teeth so we're taking the fight to a bigger territory and today we all come together in unity of the spirit because if one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight what can all of us do when we stand together in agreement and deal with this thing because you see my friend i need you to understand that there is a bigger battle at play there are powers and principalities and there are 
rulers in dark places and they know what they are doing. There is a push, a plan, and an agenda as there always has been and always will be. We can take this all the way back to the Balaam tactic, to what was used to try to dethrone the Israelites when they moved into the land of Moab. And you can see this tactic being played out in our very nation today. There is a paradigm. There is a parallel. Because you see that the enemy knew that he could not overthrow Israel because that they were standing strong with God. There was no way for the enemy to achieve his goal, his plan, his tactic until that he was able to defeat this nation of godly people. But as long as they were walking in agreement with God, he had no ability to destroy this nation. So what did he do? He convinced them to come into agreement with abominations with grievous sins that would provoke the Lord to anger. In other words, he caused them to curse themselves. And I can tell you with all assurity, my friend, that this same tactic is being played out on America today because that the enemy knows that he's got to take us out of the way before he can push forward with his agendas, with his plans, with the things that are laid out in the Bible and the book of Revelation. We know that it says that in the last days there will be a global government, there will be a global economy that all who will partake in it must take the mark in order to be able to buy, sell, or trade in it. There will be a global religion that will be run by the Antichrist's Spirit. We understand that these things will come in to play, but there has been a resistance in that there was still a godly nation. Yes, we have always made our mistakes. Yes, the enemy has always tried to infiltrate, but at large in the population, we have been a Christian nation. And so the enemy knows that in order to move forward with his plan, he's got to get us out of the way. And the only way that he can is the way that Balaam did to get us to come into agreement with sin. Because once we allow by acquiescence or agreement abominations in our land, we will curse ourselves. And the enemy can rush in. So again, I tell you, just like in Revelation 6, anytime that you allow death to ride in to your territory, all of hell is going to follow him in. So as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to take this seriously and start praying again. In the area of abortion, there is no question that it is an abomination according to scripture. It brings a personal curse upon those who partake in it. And so today we're not only going to war against it, but we're going to pray for those who have been brought into it. We're going to break agreement with it. We're going to pray prayers of repentance for those who have participated in it. And we're going to pray prayers of warfare against the spirit that endorses and enforces it. In Deuteronomy 27, 25, it says, Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. In other words, God is saying everyone has to come into agreement with this. There is a curse placed upon every person who kills someone who is innocent for pay. If you are being paid, to shed innocent blood and that applies also to workers in the abortion industry. You bring a curse upon yourself according to the word of the Lord and God commands that everyone be in agreement with this truth and reality. 
And so today, my friend, I tell you that if you have participated therein, then there is repentance because the Bible also says that Jesus became the curse that we might be redeemed from the curse. That because he took our curse upon himself, we might take his righteousness. And so there is redemption and salvation and cleansing at the cross of Jesus Christ. But my friend, we first have to acknowledge and confess and repent and break agreement with before we can move forward with this. So I don't want you to feel condemned, but I do want you to feel convicted because that is the only thing that is going to lead you into deliverance. From the curse that is placed upon those who participate in the shedding of innocence. In the book of Proverbs, we're told about the seven things that God hates. What strong words to say that of these seven things, God literally hates it. And one of those seven things is the shedding of innocent blood. My friend, it is not a good place to be when your nation endorses that which God hates. It's time for the church to pray. Beyond the personal responsibility, agreement or allowance of this actually brings a curse upon an entire nation. In Psalms 106 verse 34, it says about the Israelites when they went into the land of Canaan, there were people there who were sacrificing their children, who were killing their babies. And God told them, do not have anything to do with this. In fact, destroy every aspect of this practice. But they did not. They allowed it to continue in their land. And this is what the Lord had to say about it. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare or a trap unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan. And I tell you, my friend, I can show you in other passages, but according to scripture, any time a child, a baby is killed, it is considered to be child sacrifice according to God. And it is done unto Baal. It is always done unto demons, no matter what you think or understand, because Baal was the one who instituted this practice originally. Every time it is done thereafter, it is paying homage to him. In some cultures, he was called Moloch, but it all goes back to Baal. So every child that is murdered, according to the word of the Bible, honors Baal. Because God is a God of life. Baal is a God of death. The Bible says that the devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. So my friend, I'm telling you as a Christian, we've got to come out of agreement with this culture of death in every form and fashion, in all of its holidays and celebrations, in all of its decor, in all of its manifestations. We've got to take a stand against the culture of death. It continues to say, that they shed the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with blood. God considered the land defiled because of the shedding of innocent blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions. The things they had created in order to be able to murder 
these children. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against this people in so much that he abhorred his own inheritance. How sad people that when God saw these people murdering their own children and knowing that it did nothing but honor Baal who originally instituted this practice. It says that it not only kindled God's wrath against this people, but it made him abhor his own inheritance. How sad. My friend, we've got to take a stand against that which is displeasing unto the Lord. And so what did God do? It says that he gave them into the hands of the heathen, that they who hated them should rule over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. My friend, you see this over and over again throughout history that anytime a nation allowed for the sacrifice of their children to begin to take place, God gave them a short time of grace in order for them to repent. But when they would not, eventually, he allowed them to be overtaken by their enemies. And so I bring you back to the revelation that, that this is a Balaam tactic. That when the enemy wants to destroy a people that are too strong for them, they get them to move into agreement with sin that they might curse themselves so he can overtake them. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 17, starting around verse 16, you can read this all over again where God pleads with the people and they will not listen. Therefore, does he allow them to be overtaken because of the abomination that they have allowed their sons and their daughters to be passed through the fire to Moloch. Moloch being another manifestation of Baal. Any child willingly given that their life might be taken according to scripture honors Baal. It's Baal worship, people. I don't care what you rename it. It has been renamed many times throughout history. Baal has been given many different titles, but the practice is the same. And the result is also, my friend, it always brings ruination and damnation upon a nation that allows this to take place. In Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 28, God gives a warning to Israel yet again when they began to allow this to creep in. And he says, but thou shalt say unto them, talking to Jeremiah, God giving him this prophetic word and mandate to go out and to deliver to the nation. And he says, you shall say unto them, this is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Cut off thine hair, a sign of weeping and wailing and mourning and lamentation. O, o Jerusalem, and cast it away. Because the hair represents glory in scripture. And he was trying to show them that their glory had departed because they had allowed this into their nation. He says, take up a lamentation on a high place for the Lord hath rejected and forsaken this generation with his wrath. For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is Baal, which is in the valley of the son of Hanam, to burn their sons and their daughters with fire. This place was later called by Jesus hell itself. 
because that it was the place where they sacrificed their children unto Baal. God says, because they have burnt their children, their sons and their daughters in this place with fire, which I commanded them not, neither has it ever come into my heart for them to do so. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they shall burn in Tophet till there be no place. And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beast of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth, which was rejoicing, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. This was a curse and a judgment placed upon a nation because that they had come into agreement with the abomination of murdering their children. This is serious. It's time to pray. Because my friend, I'm telling you that God gives us space to repent. But if we do not repent, he moves in judgment because that he is loving and merciful. And he knows that sometimes daddy's got to take the belt off to keep us from destroying ourselves. Because even in judgment, there is mercy. God will bring repentance, my friend. He gives us place and space to willfully repent. But if we will not, then he will turn us over to our sin for a season that we might see how cruel the master is that we are choosing and come to a place of humility that we might cry out to him again and see that he truly does know what's best and that when he speaks to us and corrects us, it's for our own good. He's waiting for us to see this, that we might repent because he's trying to save the blood of the innocent. We see this manifested in a later chapter in the same book in Jeremiah 32, 33, where he revisits this same judgment that was given, but you see it from the other side. What I just read you was him prophesying it forward, but right here what I will read you is him speaking back upon it and how it turned out because that he had to pour out judgment because they would not take the space to repent. It says, And they have turned unto me the back and not the face. Though I taught them, rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction but they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind for them to do so, that they should do this abomination and cause Judah to sin. You see, my friend, I pointed out again that when you allow this abomination in your nation, it is considered by God to be a sin upon the entire nation, not just upon the one who committed it. This is a sin that will bring judgment on everyone. Because when innocent blood is shed and it is not defended, it places the guilt upon all. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel concerning this city, wherefore ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. And so this was the judgment that came. 
And now therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, wherefore ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in my anger, and in my fury, and in great wrath, and I will build them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely and they shall be my people and I will be their God and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them judgment is never God's desire he gives space to repent he is long-suffering and patient but when the blood of the innocent is being shed, it forces him to take action. Yet even in judgment is mercy because he says he was doing it for our own good and for the good of our children. He has to defend the defenseless. But my friend, I tell you that if we will not defend the defenseless, if we will not stand for truth, if we will not come into agreement and alignment with his words and break agreement with hell and tear down the altars of Baal that we have erected in our homes, in our nations, and in our churches, then he will be forced to enact judgment, to show us the error of our ways, and to defend those it is destroying. Yes, my friend, it is that serious, and the enemy knows it. He knows what he is doing, and he is ready to tear this country down. But the only way he can is to get us to curse ourselves by coming into agreement with sin. So my friend, I remind you that God says that when judgment falls, the only ones who will be protected are those who have been crying out, weeping between the porch and the altar against the abominations in the land. So my friend, when we pray against these things, not only are we taking action, not only are we standing in our place of authority in the spirit, but we are also placing a seal of protection because that we are pronouncing our disagreement with the abominations that are bringing judgment upon the nation. Of course, abortion is a major issue that is prevalent right now in our nation, but there are many powers that work through the principality of death, suicide being a major one. We see that many times throughout scriptures, especially in the prophets who were persecuted, who were hated, who were ridiculed, who were slandered, who were imprisoned, who were tortured for speaking the truth of God's word, that many times they came to a place in their life where they said, Lord, I wish I had never been born or when they desired to just be with God. But they never entertained the idea of taking that matter into their own hands, knowing that it was God's will to position them and purpose them for their placement in the kingdom and that until the Lord had decided to take them, they still had a job to do for him. Again, I remind you, my friend, that only the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Jesus comes to bring life and to bring it more abundantly. Therefore, any voice that is speaking the lies of suicide into your ear is not coming from the Lord God Almighty. Do not listen. But I tell you again, my friend, that there is no reason for a Christian to struggle in this area because you have been given the authority 
to end this fight. God has already won it for you. You just need to walk in the faith of it. Because the Bible says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You need to take authority. And we're going to pray some prayers with you today that are going to break this off of you and off of your family because it tends to move in families. We're going to pray some prayers today to break agreement with it and stand in authority against it in the name of Jesus. There is overcoming power in the blood of Jesus Christ. He is greater. He is mightier. He is able. He is able to save, deliver, and set free. It is the reason that he came and it is the reason he has commissioned you and me to go out and to break the bondage of the enemy off of the people. The lies end now. The oppression ends now. The depression ends now in the mighty name of Jesus. We are taking authority because devil you are just a spirit and we have all authority against every spirit power and principality because our God rules and reigns and all powers and principalities authorities and dominions have been placed under his feet and we have been raised up to be seated with him in heavenly places and so we take that authority as a joint heir with Christ to say Satan no more shut your mouth you are a liar my God has a purpose and a plan for me and I will stand in the fullness of what he has created me to be. I will shake off these lies of the enemy. I'm not going to lay down and let you keep kicking me. I'm going to rise up and take authority and walk in the greatness that my God has placed in me. Because if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead rules and reigns in my mortal body, then I can stand with all authority and say, get ye behind me, Satan. I don't have to listen to you. You are a liar. You are defeated. Feed it. You are a toothless lion. You are counterfeit authority. You are only walking in the authority that we give up, but no more. Not today. We take it back in the name of Jesus as we say your power is broken. Your lies are broken. Your lust are broken. The pity that you speak into the mind of the people working on their woundedness, it is and, and the power of it broken right now in the name of Jesus. All offense is laid down. We will glorify the Lord God Almighty and we will walk out this walk of faith winning that crown of life because that we have rejected the lies of death, hell, and the grave. Today, the game changes because we know who our God is and we will not be manipulated into agreement with sin. My friend, I'm telling you that I've seen that some people have become sick because that they have come into agreement with death because somebody spoke something over them and they agreed with it because in a heated moment of trial or hardship or grief or disappointment, that spirit of death spoke a lie in their ear and they agreed with it in their heart and professed something back out of their mouth that today needs to be broken off. Because my friend, there is healing in the name of Jesus. Just because a doctor said something to you doesn't mean that it's true. The doctors told my dad that there was no way that he could survive the night. He had a 100% blockage. Four main arteries had collapsed. His heart was full of blood clots. There wasn't anything they could do. They didn't even try to treat him. They just closed the door and waited for him to die. 
But that's not what my God had said because my God is a God of life. My God said, this is not the time. I didn't believe what the doctor said. I broke agreement with those medical curses and stood in agreement with the word and will of God because my God is the final authority. He is the authority. He's the author of life itself. Therefore, he decides I do not come into agreement with the lies of the enemy. So until the day that my king says, it is time, then I will not agree with what anyone else has to say about it. And my friend, that was years ago. Today, when he goes to the doctor, they're still saying, how are you alive? And he's still praising God, who is the giver of life. So the first thing we have to do is we've got to come out of agreement with death and the culture of death in the name of Jesus. We break agreement with you, death. You have no hold and no authority over me. We have no fear of you because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. There is overcoming power. There is protection and provision. I am a blood-bought, born-again, Holy Ghost-filled child of the living God and you have no right, no power, no authority, and no dominion over me, nor over the land of my inheritance. I will stand and possess what the Lord has given into my hand and I take authority against you and I cast you out of my land and everyone in agreement says amen and we stand together and we expand the land and we expand the territory and we say spirit of death you have to go. You have no hold, no right. We take it back in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind you up in the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, by the authority granted into our hand by the great I am, the God of all creation. Even you were a created being. Therefore, do you have to surrender and submit to his authority? In the name of Jesus, we take away every power and every right over the lands of our inheritance. We cast you out into the deep in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen King. I break every curse that has been placed upon the land because of the innocent blood that has been shed. We break agreement with the enemy and we break the curse that that agreement has brought. God, we do not agree. We pray repentance over our own families, over our homes, our churches, and our land. God, we repent for the sins of our fathers. We repent for the sins of the land, for those who would not stand for the defenseless. God, we stand right now in agreement with your word and we break the curses that have come against us for our acquiescence. Today, we change the game. And Lord, for those who have participated, rather through having an abortion or working in the abortion industry or suicide attempts, Or Lord, even those of us who are equally as guilty, though we may not recognize because that we have participated in the culture of death, coming into agreement with celebrations of death, with entertainment that is permeated with the spirit of death. Lord, we repent for that. And we thank you that there is mercy at the seat of the cross. Lord, cleanse us, wash us, make us white. Again, rid us of this grievous sin. 
God, we pray that you break the curse off of the nation and off of the church, God, because your word is clear that when judgment comes for these things, it begins in the house of God because it would not have taken root had the church done its job. God, we pray that people would rise up who would speak the truth in love, who would go out and help the lost to find their way to the cross of Jesus Christ. God, we come against the spirit of murder in the name of Jesus that runs rampant in their cities. In the name of Jesus, we bind up that spirit of hatred, which is the root of murder. I come against the lies of the enemy that speak in the people's ears, that speak apathy, that speak self-pity, that speak entitlement. I come against self-righteousness in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come against the lies of depression and the witchcraft that keeps people in it. In the name of Jesus, there is no reason for anyone to walk in oppression when you have paid the price of deliverance. I stand right now in the authority of Christ and I speak deliverance over any person under the sound of my voice or any member of their household that is plagued by the demonic oppression of the enemy that manifests in depression in the name of Jesus Christ because the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. Therefore, depression is a fruit of the enemy. It is another spirit. We recognize you. We call you out for what you are and we cast you out. You have no place in our hearts or in our homes. In the name of Jesus, God, send your Holy Spirit to bring deliverance and to fill the void with the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength and God's people are strong and they are mighty and my friend I'm telling you you will find him in that place of prayer and intercession in that secret place you need to start rebuking that other voice you need to speak it out loud you gotta speak to that mountain in order to cast it out when those thoughts come you need to take authority and say get ye behind me Satan you are a liar I don't agree with you I'm gonna praise the Lord God Almighty and if you will lift up praises, I guarantee you the enemy's going to flee and things are going to change. There is deliverance from depression. There is deliverance from oppression. There is deliverance from possession. There is deliverance from suicide. There is deliverance from guilt. There is deliverance from murder. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. He has come to bring us newness of life. And I bring you the encouragement by reminding you that Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament of our Bible was a murderer. By occupation, it was his job to hunt down and murder Christians. How much more vile can a person be? But God saw fit to deliver, to redeem, and to restore him, and to make him the greatest soul winner the world has ever known. My friend, I don't care what sin is on your past. God can use you in these last days. He can make you new, and he can make you a preacher of the gospel. He has a plan for you. In fact, the enemy's been trying to steal it from you. That's why he's led you so astray. But today, it's time for things to change.
Because in the Bible, every time that God was about to birth an earth-changing, yoke-breaking, kingdom-shaking move of God into this earth, the devil tried to stop it by issuing a governmental decree to kill the babies. He did it in the time of Moses. He did it in the time of Christ. And he's doing it again now in the time of our life. So I want to leave you with this question, my friend. Could it be that you were born for such a time as this? Are you the one that the devil was looking for but missed? You see, God has a way of bringing unexpected change from unexpected people in unexpected ways. But the devil, he's predictable. He doesn't change. But I say today that it didn't work before and it won't work this time either. The hand of God is coming and it's going to shake this nation to the core. It's time to pray, church, to weep and to wail and to call upon the Lord because we have a window of repentance. The window of revival is open, but it is fast closing. And if the church will not unite and stand and fight, then God himself will step in to defend the defenseless. And he will do it through judgment by allowing the people to be turned over to their sin, to be overrun by the enemy so that they can see the error therein and cry out and repent and come back to God again. So I will leave you with this. Joel 2.15 Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? For only then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. My friend, it's time for the church to start praying again. And there is power in what we have done today. And because of it, you will see things change. But I hope that you can understand that this is not a race for the swift. This is one of endurance. It's not about just fighting to take the land. It's about possessing it. You can kick the enemy out, but he's going to come back again. If he finds it empty, he will retake it with seven more of his friends. You keep fighting the good fight of faith. The church needs to learn how to pray and to contend again. So what you heard today, you take it to your prayer closet and your prayer group and your youth group and your church. And you repeat it. And you believe it. And you beat down the walls of hell. Until you see it manifested. In this land. This is how we stand. And possess the land of our inheritance. 
Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.